everyone. Good to be with you all again. Super, super excited to have a good friend, Mary Bielski, with us today. Uh, Mary Bielski is a Catholic speaker. She speaks at a lot of youth conferences and all sorts of things. Helps out with a lot of theology of the body stuff. Honestly, I'm not really the guy for an official bio, so I'm not going to offer much more than that. But uh, Mary is a, is a good friend of ours, super full of the Holy Spirit, super full of joy and life and passion and energy and zeal. Yeah, she she blessed my socks off. I met her at a, a conference and her and some, some other friends prayed over me. It was the first time I met her and she was just sharing things that she felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to me and it really hit deeply and I felt really seen and known by God and just really filled with God's love and God's power. So super excited to have her here uh, to be with on this to be with us on this podcast today. Yeah, so Mary, if you want to tell us it, the way we've done this so far, and we've had one guest, so it's a long-standing tradition. We just tell us, yeah, your story, just so we know who you are. We'll we'll focus more on that, and then we'll transition to more of our official discussion for, for today, whether that's naturally or just a little bit more intentionally. But yeah, like we just love to hear about your story and how you came to know Jesus in a deeper way and how you came to know the Holy Spirit in a different way and how God's moved in your life. Absolutely. Well, it's so fun to be with friends. Um, and yes, I do remember the first time we prayed with you at that conference and the three of us kind of rocked out and uh, got to see God move in crazy ways. So praise God. It is a joy to be here. I'm so excited. Um so yeah, I'm a Catholic speaker, an evangelist, all those things, but really I'm a daughter of the King. And, um, you know, it's funny when we talk about our story, I'm like, how much time do we have? But for me, um, my journey, I'm the youngest of five kids. I grew up in Indiana. I live in Houston now. So good old crawfish. Um, but growing up in, a, in a, a Catholic family, my dad, my story actually was influenced a lot by my father. He had a strong encounter with the Holy Spirit when he was going to Curcio in his early 40s and so we we my parents were both faith-filled but like when my dad had his encounter with the holy spirit things changed in the home like i remember he brought home like a homeless man once over over thanksgiving like he started doing worship music like the whole culture changed and he began um, to become a part of the charismatic renewal so for those of us listening that don't know what that is um just the movement of the holy spirit in the catholic church where god started moving and so my dad kind of got involved in that. And so growing up, I had a family of people that lifted their hands to praise, um, that spoke in tongues, which um, was a little odd for a 13-year-old to see her parents doing, but yeah. was exposed to some of those, you know, you're like, mom, what are you doing? What are you doing? She's doing the dishes. She's like, want to buy a Honda? want to buy a Honda? I'm like, mom. Um, so we already, think, growing, we, we already have a tendency to think moms are not cool. Right. So and probably, then you yeah. add that. So, yeah. yeah. So I had a resistance, actually. It's so funny. I had a resistance to some of that stuff. I know you guys are really going to be focusing on some of the Holy Spirit things. So it's okay to be wherever you're at with Holy Spirit and know it's about um, a relationship with him more than just the signs. But so I grew up in that home um, and I had a strong faith as a, as a young girl. Like I wanted to be a nun and a, a boxer, which is hilarious because I'm kind of both. I'm like, fierce and also um <laughs> I, I did like as I, I, I was gonna say i was gonna say a one-two punch but pun, right? is, pun is intended yeah 
right? It's like, I, th- I think about it now. I'm like, is it? So anyone listening, think about what you wanted to be as a young girl and a, or boy, if you're listening. And, and that's probably has some kind of deeper meaning into what God's made you to be. So Ooh. a little bit feisty, right? But also a deep kind of contemplative heart as well. And so um, that I actually grew up with a really strong faith as, as a little girl, but um, had a lot of just my own um, loneliness and anxiety issues growing up of just my own identity. And so a lot of my struggle and my story has been wrestling in that identity piece on who I am um, and my own insecurities and some trauma and things like that. So it wasn't until I went to my adolescence was most like everybody's like really performance. So I, I came from a very active performing successful family. So my brother's a doctor and a lawyer and all those things. And so I really grew up with a home that was, even though it was faithful, a lot of performance and trying to earn my way. And so um, it wasn't really until I went to college. I went to college and um, struggled with anxiety and depression and kind of was a functional, um, yeah, functionally depressed person, I guess, um, but really trying to earn my way into, in the world, um, whether it's, you know, parties and friends. And it wasn't... Um, until I went to college where I really had an encounter with the Lord in a heavier way. And the interesting part is I had gone to Steubenville's and I had had earlier somewhat encounters, but something shifted when I decided to give him everything. And I think mm-hmm. in our journeys, right, we can have these moments and you guys can chime in because I don't want to talk forever. We can have these moments where God encounters us and we're moved, but we actually don't submit. And right. so I had had a lot of journeys where God had touched me. And then I kind of went back to living like everyone else. And um, it wasn't until college where I went to a Catholic retreat um, and it was called Defending Your Catholic Faith and a Carmelite nun. I mean, y'all, full habit, Rosie beats <laughs> the floor and she had nothing that I desired, like no man, no money and something drew me to her. And, you know, we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. We talk about God touching us in our lives. Um, there was something about this nun and I ran up to her with a million questions. I had kind of bought the world's perspective on the Catholic church. I struggled um, with my own identity and like things in the world. I had all the successes, but I wasn't happy. And I ran up to her with a million questions. Um, and she said, Mary, keep praying. It's so beautiful. And I was like the Catholic church, y'all, like I had ugly uniforms for m- m- most of my life. I had done all the things in Catholic school. And you really um, didn't like those uniforms. I, I know I talk about that all the time because anyone <laughs> listening that wore, if you're a woman listening and you wore those uniforms, you know, my pain, um, we had the blue and the green plaid, um, guys get it. You guys just have to wear khakis. You know, I'm just saying it's different yeah. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, long story yeah. longer, um, long story longer. She said, keep praying. It's so beautiful. So something started stirring in my heart and my conversion, my, my deeper encounter with the Lord was really to this Carmelite nun in this community. I, Wow. I want, I couldn't stop thinking about them. And usually when I share this story, when I'm speaking, it's the shorter version. I'm going to give you a little longer version. I was really struggling and living in two worlds. And, um, and I had no idea why I wanted to visit these nuns, but they were funny and sarcastic and holy. We're going to talk about purity of heart today. There was something about them that was so attractive. And I didn't know why, because I'm like doing keg stands on the weekends with my friends and doing crazy things in college. And I, I wanted to visit these nuns. And I remember coming home to my dad. And I told my parents, I'm like, I want to visit these nuns. They keep inviting me to visit them. And he's like, why not? Because he had tons of priests that came. You know, my dad lived in a, a, a Catholic community. So 
I drove off to visit these nuns. I didn't tell any of my friends. Like it was, a, it was like St. Louis, four hours over the summer because we had stayed in contact and that weekend changed my life. Um, it was like the sound of music, people like the hills are alive, like their veils yeah. were flowing. It was beautiful. They lived this life of radical mission. They lived this life of love. And um, there was another young lady who was discerning religious life who was super holy. And I thought I was a pagan, you know, um, and we were sharing. And my moment was like we were sharing a, um, you know, how you can share a room and have connecting doors. And she barged in my room sobbing. And this is kind of one of my moments. Um, like crying out to the Lord, like, I don't care if I'm single or married or I'll be a missionary. Like, I don't care what he asks because she's sobbing. And um, she says, I just want to be his. Like, I just want to serve the Lord. And she's just weeping this beautiful heartfelt prayer of like her, her love for Jesus. And I, as a 19 year old girl, didn't know that love. And I wasn't willing to give my life for it. Like I remembered this, this moment of like, I, I don't have what she has. Like I haven't, I don't know Jesus where I'm going to run into a room weeping and tears just started coming out of my face because I didn't know that love. And, um, everything that weekend, like seeing the total, you know, we talk about holiness, we talk about living a life for Jesus, but seeing people that are totally in for him, that know him, there was something that struck my heart that, that I'm missing out on something more. And we're talking today on this podcast about everyday Christianity that um that there's something more in everyday christianity whether you're a sister or none and as a 19 year old girl i knew it i knew that there was something more and i i drove home in silence which that alone is a miracle um weeping <laughs> and crying out to god saying god if i can know you like that i mm -hmm. want to know you and literally you know we talk about conversions with like holy spirit but it was really for me a decision um and God started kind of moving in my life. I went to Steubenville as a, even again that summer, because like God started moving, like all of a sudden, like all these conversations, you know, when God starts moving, it's not just in your heart, it's all around you. So conversations started happening with right. my friends. I went to a Bible study where the guy was like talking, but he was like specifically talking to me. I was getting weirded out. I'm like, is, is Jesus following me? But like everything started kind of moving in a way that I knew that God was actually speaking to me in external circumstances. And even when I went to Steubenville um, that summer, I was like, I think I'm supposed to go to a Steubenville as, a, as an adult. And I went to confession. I don't always share this story either, but really this confession also just, he, um, I shared all the things that I was doing in college and my sins. And he said, how old are you? And I said, I'm, I'm 19. Don't ask any more questions. But he said, um, you need to start making some decisions in your life. And as a 19 year old woman, that doesn't sound very profound, but it was almost like someone saying, you need to choose if you're going to follow him or not. And that whole summer, it was like God just doing ninja chops on my heart of like, I came back to school that year. Like I want to, I want to live differently. And I started within a moment, you know, you turn your life just one little inch, he takes a mile. And I, I just said, God, what does that look like? And I remember I just started in college, just meeting community and friends and, um, I, I found a Catholic, you know, youth group that we started worshiping in the hallways at this Jesuit university, which was crazy. And I started, I mean, I remember just crying a lot. It was, you know, my conversion was just a lot of tears of like, I, I didn't know him like I wanted to, but I wanted to know him. And, and it was a year of just conversion where I started going to daily mass. I started, and so God just started putting people in my life. And I remember, I remember sitting at a table in college and eating 
you know, macaroni and cheese because that's what you eat in college and telling someone and like this friend of mine telling me about the Eucharist and I had been to Catholic mass my whole freaking life and had never had, so, you know, and like all of a sudden I was like, are you kidding me? That's what's happening. And so long story longer, I keep, my life began yeah, to change going. and I, I discerned, I discerned religious life. I thought I was actually, I didn't know what God was doing. You know, when the Holy Spirit starts moving in your heart, I thought, am I supposed to be a nun? Like, I'm like, I, I just, I, I kind of am an all or nothing person. I'm a great sinner and I could be a great saint. And, um, and so in that wrestling, actually, I discerned religious life for about 10 years, even out of college. Actually, when I finished college, I thought I was going to enter. And I remember weeping in my bed thinking I'm never going to have kids. And so I, all I knew is that God began to steal my heart. And for the first time, I didn't have to be funny or pretty. I didn't have to have all these things that I had had because I played three varsity sports. I did student count. I, I was successful, but it was the first time that I just had to be his. And it was so freeing. And it began me on a journey that it's still a journey today. You know, all three, all four of us here, we're going to talk today about the journey. But um, shortly after college, I started getting involved in, I'm going to sum up the, the ministry part in youth group and ministry. Um, I started speaking, um, God started moving in my life. And so it's been kind of a pursuit of the Lord ever since, but there's been movements of God um, taking me deeper and taking me into my brokenness. Um, I remember being burnt out in mission and um, crying out to God. Um and him taking me deeper with Our Lady in there. And shortly, I moved to New Orleans because I was in prayer. And God told me, you're not ready for what I have for you. Mary is going to lead you to your vocation and stay at my feet. And when he said, you're not ready, I thought it meant I need to go get my master's. <laughs> um, so I went to actually New Orleans um, 10, 12 years ago to get my master's in theology. But really, I went to New Orleans to heal because I had been brought into ministry and a lot of my deeper wounds and my brokenness began to emerge. And so God's taken me on a number of different journeys, whether it's through Our Lady, um, through inner healing in the last 10 years. And in the last probably five or six years, a lot of encounters with the Holy Spirit um, and deliverance and healing and um, uh, the Holy Spirit just moving in my life where I grew up Catholic and I speak at Steubenville conferences and um, but God just kind of showing me what everyday life Christianity can look like as you walk with Holy Spirit and as you have a relationship with him. And um, probably that's how I kind of met you guys through encounter. But I started understanding a deeper way that Holy Spirit wants to actually engage us um, and change us. Um, and so the last couple of years, especially I'm going to kind of transition us. So I know we're talking about a, a number of things. Have I, have I been talking too long? Are we good? Are you loving this? No, you're this? good. You're good. You're good. You're we like, can start the transition, but okay. this is great. Yeah, so I've been doing, um, but yeah, I've been doing ministry and missions and all these different things, and I have a million stories and a million encounters, um, but mostly I would say in the last couple of years has been, you know, I did a number of years of inner healing in my first kind of journey and in, in, um, speaking. Uh, through Dr. Bob with the Theology of the Body Institute and a lot of my brokenness on my femininity and who I am as a woman. And God just took me on this beautiful journey. And, and, I, and you think it's over. I don't know if anyone's listening that you're like, oh, I did that. I went to counseling. I, I checked that yeah, off the box. Temptation. Right. And then I think Never in ends. these last couple of years, God's taken me deeper again. And Holy Spirit has really um, shooken me into really the, the the deeper places of my heart for healing but also the different places of purity in my heart and um and so i know we're going to be talking about that today but th that's 
the last three years have been, have been a shaking, um, a shaking, I guess, in my own heart, but I think he's doing it corporately. And um, yeah, I just wanted to share that as we begin today. Yeah. So you just said it there, but maybe just to more officially kick us off and we'll all hop in and start talking now. You just want to talk about like just the confirmations you feel like there's been that the Lord is calling us to a deeper purity of heart as a as a church, whether it's your experience or just some of the other voices out there. But here's the thing. I want all of us to talk about this because I feel like, and this is, you know, for people listening right now, I think all of us know that there's been a lot going on in the world. If you're listening uh-huh. and you're driving, if you're listening and you're sitting, yeah. all of us know that there, we are living in a spiritually significant time. And I want to get your thoughts on that because I feel like for me, I have a sense of what God's doing in my life. Some people are out there like, I don't know what he's doing. Um, but I think it's a spiritually significant time where God has been really shaking things, especially since COVID. Um, I felt that in my own spirit. I think I spoke at your parish father, um, Michael, and I was talking about the shaking of the nations. And um, one of the talks that I felt like had a kind of a, a weightiness, um, it's from the book of Haggai. You don't need to look into it. But basically, the shaking of the nations, Paul, um, the, the writer of Hebrews, we don't actually know if it's Paul. We don't think it's Paul. But he says this line that says, I will shake what is shakable. So it was, so what only what is unshakable will remain. And I, I believe. I believe that we're looking at a shaking in the last couple of years that today, what I, what I want to talk about is, is bringing it to even at personal level of our heart. But I, I think I see that corporately or, or from the, the wider church of the world getting shook. Um, and I think we think it's the devil or we think it's this, or we think it's COVID. Um, I think God in his sovereignty is allowing, I'm not saying he's doing it, allowing things to be shooken because things need to be broken off. And things need to be getting aligned. And so how I believe the Lord oftentimes works is in the midst of the, if we have eyes to see, like the, the he calls foolishness wise and vice versa and um, weakness power. Jesus has an upside down kingdom. And so if we have eyes to see what he's doing, oftentimes it's in the rumbling and the shaking that he's calling forth something more. Um, and so I'm going to talk today a little bit about what I think he's doing in my own personal life. But I want to get your thoughts on that as we talk about the purity of our heart and why does it even matter? You know, when we talk about all the things happening in the world, but um, I think he's calling a spotless bride and I think he cares about the dispositions of our heart. And I, I actually believe that God's going to be doing something really epic in the next 10 years. And he's preparing us for that. And I, um, and I do believe the younger generation will be able to see a movement of the Holy spirit. That will be signs and wonders. If you're listening, I'm not freaking you out, but just, God moving in greater ways with his own power of the spirit, but also in holiness and purity. And it's going to be both. I just want to kind of second that whole um, point you made about um, just the shaking that's going on. Um, And I think that debating, Oh, is this just like an individual thing? Is this just me or is this just corporate? Just my, my, my two cents. I mean, I think it is both. I think it really is both. I think Lord is just, going into he's just going as deep as he can into everyone's hearts and that's just resonating and there's a lot of people who are resisting that but for those again who have eyes to see like there's a goodness in the shaking that's happening i i was um i received like a word from mike nolan um he prayed with me and it was that exact word for my life that was like last year it's like 
everything you are being shaken right now there's an earthquake and everything that's going to remain is what the lord wants to remain and that's been exactly what's been going on in my life where the lord is like been letting me experience my weakness in all kinds of ways and then he's just like at the end of the day i'm just like whoa it's like that was just the flesh that fell down like that was just the flesh it's just really um again everything you're saying just resonates to me as like true on both levels both individually and corporately and i mean again it resonates for me individually as well and i think that's just what's going on in the church and if people are like being terrified and like oh god's like abandoned the church or like god's abandoned the world like that's a not that is just not what's going on he's he's got something happening behind this yeah and i i know there's been some other voices again people <laughs> who um, people that really lean into listening to the Holy Spirit and getting this deeper sense of what is God doing in the world or this country or in this season, in this in this community. And there have been other people who've really confirmed this as well, that the Lord is calling us into a greater purity of heart. And I, yeah, there's it's hard for me to put on a, a finger on very specific things, but I would say in my life, a, a draw me to a deeper purity of heart. And let me just say this real quickly too. And when we hear the word purity, we think of, uh, we think of like chastity or we think of sexual purity. We're actually not, it would fall under that umbrella, but it's really, when you hear the term purity of heart, don't think of sexual purity. Uh, purity of heart is a wholeheartedness. It's loving God more above anything else. It's loving him wholeheartedly. Something that's, that's so to that's been really resonating with Mary, myself, and many others is Psalm 24. And this is priests have diff- different options for well, anyone who prays the, the liturgy of the hours, priest sisters, or lay people. And there's a couple different options for the introduction psalms. And I've, I've for the past year, even apart from this whole discussion, have been using Psalm 24 most of the time. And it's just such a powerful scripture. I'll read it says. Who shall climb the mountain of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? The man with clean hands and pure heart, who desires not worthless things. And so it, it does go on, but that's just a, a really important part. Who shall, yeah, who shall climb the mountain of the Lord? You know, uh, clean hands and pure heart, who desires not worthless things. And in my life, I think the Lord actually generally probably is calling all us calling us all into a deeper purity of heart, but it does seem to be a greater emphasis during this time. But maybe we should talk a little bit about that uh, psalm. Father Chris, do you have something you want to say? Yeah, I just wanted to add that, you know, when you you think about the relationship between what the Lord does with us individually, and like the idea of the Lord doing something with the whole church, the whole body of Christ, and even just like what he does with the world, uh, just to acknowledge like, that that's very strongly based on what we see in scripture. Like God deals with his people. Yes. Very powerfully individually, but also collectively. And so because we, we do emphasize like in certain parts of our faith, we emphasize like personal responsibility and you know, your personal response to God and you need to have a personal relationship with him. It's all like very true, very important. But God does work with his whole people, especially we see that with Israel, but also the church throughout history. You just can't understand or make sense of church history without recognizing the seasons of church history and like how the Lord used different things 
And yes, even things that from a psycho perspective, you know, they have their way of, of trying to read history, but like you just can't make sense of the movements of the Holy Spirit, uh, really painful times, times of great uh, division, of breakdown of faith where amazing saints were raised up. I was listening to a podcast recently and they were talking about like the, the 16th century, uh, the 1500s being one of the greatest centuries in the church. And so most people would think like, oh, the Reformation and all the division and all this kind of like, uh, you know, things being very unsettled. But we really, we grew into such a deeper understanding of our faith. And we had so many amazing, some of the most amazing saints in our history came out of that time. So like it, it kind of... You don't want to say, like, God didn't make it happen, but like Mary was saying, like, God used what was happening to restore us to our identity, to to draw us back to purity of heart. And so there's always, uh, you know, I think what is taking place in the church, what God is doing in the church broadly, uh, if we are attentive to that, and like, we want to, like, like, are you going to be part of the move of God? Are you going to be part of, like, the move of the Holy Spirit, what's happening? Or are you gonna like? Are we gonna sit with our hands, hands, you know, sit on our hands and just be like, well, like I'm just doing my little thing here? And it's like, um, yeah, it, just to acknowledge that when you can, when you have eyes to see that, like Mary said, it's like get on board and be part of what God is doing. And and I think what you're saying is so true about calling the church to purity of heart. And when we see that that's happening, when we see the church being shaken, like we don't freak out when it when it happens to us personally. Yeah, I think it'd just be good just to talk about, yeah, just what purity of heart is and why it's important, basically, and ways that we feel, reasons why we feel attracted to purity of heart, just to make things a little bit more concrete. As I said before, it is really just loving God with all of our heart and our soul. There's some scriptures that uh, come to mind. So one is, one of my favorite Beatitudes is, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And that just that promise of that, like seeing God, like how amazing to see God. And I spent a lot of my life when I was younger doubting God and certainly feeling very disconnected from him. But to see God, and that's actually what heaven is so often described as the beatific vision, which is basically seeing God face to face, fully experiencing God without this veil of mystery. We do experience him, but there, there is, we're not experiencing him in the fullness. So the promise of seeing God just seems so amazing. So there's that, that, that prize and that is that reward, but also even the life of heaven itself, which I think most people want is is really this relationship with God, and it's this it's this marriage with God in heaven. I do want to also bring up so that the the, the purity of heart, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Uh, that's so important. As C.S. Lewis says, that the instrument through which you see God is yourself. He compares it to you have like a telescope or a microscope. If there's like smudges and and dirt on it, or even a window, it's going to distort what you're looking at. So if you're trying to look at the, the moon or Jupiter and there's some mud, you're not really going to fully see it. You're not going to see it at all, or it's going to be distorted. Yeah, just to see and, and know God and to experience him fully. It's not even just seeing, it's 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 to experience him, it's to feel him, it's to hear his voice. And so it's for us to just be attentive to what are these things that might be smudging up my heart or what are the, what's some 
some dirt clinging to my heart. It could be other idols. It could be certain sins. And we're, we're clearing this to in order to experience God more fully. Yeah. And I think it's interesting. I mean, my definition is it's um, a heart without mixed motives, um, a heart that does everything for the love of God. And I think it's interesting. We talk about the church talks about the purgative, illuminative and unitive modalities of becoming holy, right? There's ways in which, you know, your beginning stages in college, you're just trying to cut out the big mortal sins of, you know, watching movies or, or language or, or masturbation or pornography or different areas. And then as you grow deeper in holiness, what I have found in my own journey, and I will be very transparent, is I am the, yeah. least, worthy, I'm the least worthy to be giving this talk. I mean, I, I mean, even the fact that, you know, you and I, Father Michael, were friends, so we were talking, and I have not cried more and repented more and had more brokenness revealed in my life in the last two years than ever in my, like my whole existence. Wow. And I was praying with Michael Nolan the other day about our flesh. We all know Mike. And and so we're on the, I was just talking to him and just, just, just the, you know, and I, I don't want to be overly like, oh, look at me. I'm so, but I think there is, you know, Paul says this in, in first Corinthians, he says, I'm the least um, of all the apostles. I am unworthy to be called even an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Like he, even in his, 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 uh, you know, proclamations of the whole new Testament knew his unworthiness and so it's interesting, like God calls us sometimes to gather to together around the very areas that we struggle in. And for me, um, whether it's the motives of my heart that he is just highlighting in the deepest places of just that sometimes my life can be about me. And even in ministry, you know, we talk about idolatry. Um, if you would have asked me three years ago, uh, I would have never said that ministry, like, I, you know, I, I'm like, I'm, I really legitly love Jesus. Like I am in, but. This year in the rattling, um, I got sick this year and I've had some health issues. And so I've had to let go of some, some speaking and, um, and what that did to me interiorly to have to let go of these things that have been so a part of who I am and what I love. It, it broke something in me and God really started to work on my, even that ministry. Like, would you love me, Mary? Would you, would you worship me? And would you lay your life down for me, just for me? Like regardless if you gave a good talk or regardless. And so it, when we talk about the deeper realms, for those of us listening, it's it's even the motives with our kids. It's the motives with our friends. It's it's the desires of why do we give that compliment or why do we even do this? Is it is it for the love of God or is it for, for our own um, self? And God really pulling my heart open in a deep way to look at why do I do what I do? What What's the motives? You know, it says in Jeremiah 17, 10, that the Lord searches the heart and examines its secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to their work. So he's going to reward us according to what we do, but he's going to be seeing according to, according to the desires of our heart. And I think that is a deeper place that sometimes is harder for us to admit because in Christian realms, like, look, all four of us, listen, we're all in Christian realms. We know, we know that Jesus speak. If you're listening to a Jesus podcast right now, most likely you're a Jesus person, right? So if you're on this podcast, you know this speak, right? Maybe not. If we, if you're not welcome, come to Jesus. He loves you. Okay. But if you're on this podcast, <laughs> right? Like if you're not, come on, let us love you into the Lord. But I, I, I find it more interesting within the church, within the ones of us who go to mass, within the ones of us who kind of, we're the good people, quote unquote. God says oftentimes it's filthy rags. To Israel when it's not aligned to his heart. 
And I feel like I feel such a heaviness on this word because it's what God is doing in my heart of like just exposing and laying me prostrate before him, sometimes even in tears. Like, God, you need to help. This is not okay. Go ahead. Yeah, and people can wonder, like, for me as a priest, and you, I say I try to go confession every couple of weeks if I can, ideally, if not once a month. And like, why would a priest confess? And it's, like you said, it's not just the, the big obvious sins. There's these deeper motives of the heart. And so, yeah, I as a priest, I, I do pray. I don't know exactly. I mean, I probably pray at least two hours a day. I don't know if I'm not doing like a strict calculation. Pray two hours a day. I'm listening to a lot of religious content. I, I do try to uh, take sin seriously. I, I try to be very transparent, honest, and confession. I have a good community. That does not mean <clears throat> that does not mean I don't have this purity of heart to work on. And I'll give you an example. Just every day I'm praying with the Lord uh, in the Blessed Sacrament next to the tabernacle, and I'm just journaling what's going on in my heart, what's to get me from the scriptures. And so I'm taking time for the Lord. I'm listening to him speak. There's a lot of good things happening. I'm sharing what's on my heart. As I'm looking back through my journal, so much of it is about like my mission as a priest, my ministry, what can help me bear fruit, what do I need to do in this situation. And so much of it is just focused on like, like everything's just about whatever, bringing revival or renewal to the church, which is important, but how much is it actually about him? And I did, I was on a retreat in October and this will be the last thing I'll let someone hop in, hop in here in October. And, and I've definitely done Lexio Divina, meditating on the scriptures in a deeper way, sometimes using your, your imagination and just like Jesus praying on the outskirts of town before they, uh, on the outskirts of Capernaum. And I was just just really interested in him. It was maybe 30, 40 minutes of just deeply thinking about him. And I thought, I've never spent like a solid 30, 40 minutes thinking about just you, Jesus, without reverence to me. Like, it's not just like, okay, well, went out to pray in the morning, so I have to pray in the morning. Or Jesus walked in the water, and how's the Lord calling me to step out in the water in, in my ministry? It was just on him. And I was like, it has been so rare. I've just focused on you, Jesus. And I realized that I so much I've I've wanted God to be my sidekick. I love him. I think about him, but he's oftentimes been the sidekick. And really the story is about him. And so purity of heart is, yeah, there's the bigger sins we focus on, but yeah, what are the motives of my heart? What is it that I really love? And I know for people in, in ministry who are active, it really can be tempting to 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 have a divided heart in terms of loving the mission more than God himself. Just as Mary was speaking, I'm just, yeah, I'm just realizing like, wow, like God has really been putting me through like this whole crash course on purity of heart recently. And really one of the biggest like things behind that has been this podcast. And this podcast, of course, you know, it's been around longer than, you know, a week. It's been, it's been, or however many weeks it is when we release this, but it's, it's been in the works for a while and it was actually a struggle for me to kind of really decide to get on board in the sense of, um, you know, feeling that I was qualified or whatever. It's so funny. It's like, well, I don't know, maybe I should step out and let you guys do it. Cause you're the priests and you got all the priest stuff. I'm just a lay person, you know, that thing. And 
And then, that, so is that on the one hand, but that's not, that's not true humility. That's not purity of heart. That's, you're acting out of a woundedness. And you have to have a certain amount of purity of heart and discernment to see that. But there's also, on the other hand, like, I've had to manage, like, wow, it's like, okay, my voice is getting out there. Not that this is, like, you know, the biggest podcast of all time. This isn't, like, you know, Father Mike Schmidt's podcast, but it's, like... Not yet. Let's not put limits Let's not put limits on what the Lord wants to do. But, like, you know, there's just, like, again, like, I'm editing them, and sometimes I find myself listening to them, you know, in, in ways I'm like, okay... Am I listening to this to really like be uplifted? Because you can be uplifted by what the Lord says through your own words. It does happen. It can happen. But it's it's just been a crash course for me of like examining my motives and like, okay, Lord, I want to be in this for you. I do not want to be a charlatan doing this. Like, I want to do this out of love for you. And I want you to continue to anoint this because otherwise... Yeah, just you don't pull back from false humility, but you also don't like start being self-promoting and having that vainglory. So purity of heart kind of related to fear of the Lord, I think, is what kind of keeps our eyes just centered on Jesus. Like, Jesus, what do you want? You know, is essentially what it is, I think. Um, of course, there's a ton more I, I would like to say about it. Um, but yeah, that's just my main point for now. Yeah, Joe, I'm so glad you you mentioned purity and then fear of the heart, uh, fear of the heart, fear of the heart, uh, purity of heart and fear of the Lord uh, in conjunction together, because I wanted to share, connected to both of these, like my experience of when I first got introduced to sort of more charismatic people or the charismatic movement, um, not even so much explicitly that, but just in some of these circles, like I was introduced to real like praise music and prayer uh, of praise. It's something that I, I did have plenty of experience of Eucharistic adoration, just like in silence, or uh, I would actually often do a lot of, <laughs> in seminary, a lot of my time in adoration was filled with like spiritual reading <laughs> or, or other devotional things, which were good. But um, what has really unlocked a purity of heart in me, what I, you know, to the extent that I, I already have it, but then has just given me a huge desire for a greater period of heart is worshiping the Lord in, in praise, even in very simple praise music, and especially seeing it in other people. I love, Mary, in your testimony, how you shared about the girl who was <clears throat> also visiting the sisters and how she was like weeping and just like crying out like how much she wanted the Lord. And whenever you see purity in heart in another person, it it kind of has like a twofold rea- you know effect on you. It it makes you realize your poverty and how you don't have what to what extent you don't have purity of heart. It kind of convicts you, but then to me it also really awakens a desire in in me for for that. And I I'll be the first to to say to admit, to admit that like even just maybe five or six years ago, whenever I would hear some like praise music or I would be at some kind of conference. I went to a couple of Steubenville conferences years ago, early in seminary that were like on defending the faith. They were like apologetics conferences and they would have like in between the the talks, they would have praise music. And 
like Lord have mercy on me. I just like judged people and I just thought this is so cheesy and it's kind of shallow. And I just like, if, if it, if it wasn't, if my, it wasn't engaging my faith in a way that I was able to perform and achieve something, uh, not even necessarily that other people had to, to see it or like praise me for it, but just, I had to feel like I was accomplishing something. Uh, and that is just, that mentality just is totally antithetical to authentic praise, to authentic worship. And it is possible, and we were meant to enter into this kind of worship, this kind of praise in the Mass, in adoration, in all our different you know ways that we, we worship in the Catholic Church. But it's easy for us to, through a whole variety of different reasons, I'm not going to go into all of them, but it's really easy for us to let concerns or just pragmatic concerns and all kinds of other busyness a busyness of mind busyness of speech um just to flood what's supposed to be a time of, of simple worship and lifting up our hearts to the lord loving him it's so it's so beautifully expressed like in the glory in the gloria at the beginning of mass we praise you we bless you we adore you we glorify you we give you thanks for your great glory I love Mike Nolan, he, he says, you know, here's that line, like, we give you thanks for your great glory. It's like, it's good, God, that you exist, that you're God. Like, that's it. Like, it's, that's, I'm glad that that's true. I'm glad that reality is this way, that you exist, that you created everything, and may you be glorified in everything. It, it has, like, and it, man, when you encounter that, one person for a moment really worshiping the Lord that way and really meaning that, it is so powerful and you realize that you desire it. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Loving God above everything else. Like it's a good question for you listening to reflect, reflect on. It's a good question for me to reflect on. Do we really love God more than anything? Like, is he the, it's just very simply put, is he the greatest desire of our heart? We do have to love God. It's not just some like rule. Do we love God more than other people? Do do you love God more than your spouse, more than your children? Jesus says, "He who does, um, someone help me out here, but he who doesn't love, um, you loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me." Something like not, that. It's not worthy of me. It's very very strong language, but it's not just okay. God, I have my life, and yeah, there's there's not necessarily. There doesn't have to be a competition. It's possible to love God and your family, although you actually love your family best when your when your relationship with God is right. There's I heard this phrase someone said, like when mom and dad don't love each other, the kids will suffer, and when mom and dad are they love each other, the kids will thrive. So when we when we love God, when our relationship with God is right, we will actually love other people better in our life. But. But yeah, I think the temptation is I have I have my family and I want to just live a good life. I'll try to be good. I'll be a nice person. I'll try not to do anything horribly wrong. I'll go to confession every once in a while. I'll go to church. And then at the end, I'll go to be with my family in heaven. And that's good. And God will reward me, which, yeah, it's important. We're not losing sight of grace here. But that's the, the kind of, that's the common mindset. And again, just very simply put, do we truly love God more than, do we truly love him more than anything? 
That's you know, that's exactly how how Jesus described how things needed to be ordered. When he, someone asked him, like, "Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law?" And he said, "The greatest commandment is you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind." And a sec- a second commandment is like it: love your neighbor as yourself. And the obvious implication is like, well, he listed the first one first. You need to love God if you're in order if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, something that I I've preached before, like at a at a wedding, was that again, like what my brother said, like it's not just a rule that you have to love God above all things. Like there's very serious and very practical consequences. Your heart is built to uh, your heart is made for for God. Your heart is made for the infinite. And whenever you don't love God above all things, you expect from other people, whatever it is that you do love most, you expect things from them that they cannot provide you. Yep. They're not yep. meant to provide it. You try to, if you make your spouse into your God or your career into your God, your status, your reputation, whatever it is, if you make that into your God, it will always disappoint you because your heart was not made by those things and it wasn't made for those things. So again, it's not even just a matter of like, well, you know, the Bible says you're supposed to love God above all things. It's like, this is how reality is just structured. Um, St. Augustine, you know, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Uh, We will be able to, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be given to you. It's not, it's, it is again to, to love God, to have that relationship with him and then to receive from him the love with which you're going to love other people. And you're not going to do violence to them by trying to make them be someone they were never meant to be. Yeah. And I think, I mean, when you were saying this earlier, for me, when I experienced my poverty, when I. I will say this, I'll be transparent. My, one of the prayers I give every day, is I ask the Lord every day to help me love him. It's probably, it's the first, it's my, when I start praying and I, whether I do tongues or I just sit with him or if I'm distracted, I ask the Holy Spirit to help me. But my, every day I pray, God, help me to love you. Help me. Because when we say love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Um, there's, there's a part that sometimes we can feel so impoverished, like, we talk about all these things like how do i do that and the beautiful part of the the mystery of god is it's actually not us doing it it's his work within us and so to really if you're listening today we're like do you love god first and you're all like well probably not (laughs) you know or maybe i but to, to be in the posture that we hunger for that is actually a holiness right where we can say god i i want to want you I want to make you the lord of my life i i want you to change this area i feel so ensnared in this sin or i've it's the beginning of god's movement when we turn right so repentance is is actually a, it's not just an idea that we cry out but it begins with the awareness but then a turning and um and to to know that it's actually god's grace within us right it says um in first thessalonians 5 it talks about that that may god himself the god of peace sanctify you through your whole body um spirit soul that you keep they keep you blameless at the coming of the lord and then I love this line. It keeps going on. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So it's God's work within us. It says like in first, um, excuse me, in Philippians 1, 6, where it says, he who began a good work will bring it to completion. Philippians 2, 13, right? Walk out your salvation. Or Sorry, that's that's 12. But 13 says, um, 
for it is God who works in you both um, to will and to work for his good pleasure. So sometimes as Catholics, I think we're like, we got to muscle our way to holiness and we got to, and it's both. And there's a participation with grace where we yield and we surrender and we, we say, yes, God. And so it's never done without our, our will, but ultimately it's the yielding of our, I can't do this. God, would you do it? And we behold him that he begins to do the work in us that we could never do on our own. Yeah, this, this ties really well to detachment, which we already have been talking about in some fashion. Uh, detachment is, is so important because when we have these attachments, we don't have a pure heart. And so we want we want we want a heart that's free and that's not clean to other things. I read about uh, this book called The Fire Within. It was about St. Teresa Avila and St. John the Cross. And I read about detachments and it, it made sense because it's like, yeah, love God above everything else. But then there was, it was very intimidating because ah, I just felt my brokenness. Like I don't love God above everything else. Or I do cling to, to health and a, a big idol for me uh, in my life has been knowledge. And we're really great at deceiving ourselves, by the way, too. It's it's very easy to have attachments and to say, like, well, this is for some good reason. Well, yeah, I need just, like, tons and tons of money. So, it's, well, yeah, I need to have, like, a nice vacation because we need to have nice family time. Which, again, you can't have vacation time with your family, but we, we'll justify any amount of money for that. Or, well, yeah, I can justify any amount of time I spend exercising or on supplements because well i need i need to be healthy to serve god and so we're we're really great at deceiving ourselves or yeah i need knowledge so i can help educate people and really the, we're really great at deceiving ourselves and so I, I feel a little bit scattered here but just to to say with clarity i think so much of the the purification of the heart is just recognizing our detach recognizing our attachments so where we're clinging to these other things where we're where they've become little idols, we've loved them in competition with God, recognize it in our hearts and surrendering that to God to to purify us. And specifically even with so so with prayer, but also with the mass as well. Like I the at the offertory, we're supposed to symbolically place our our heart on the altar. And even in the Old Testament sacrifices, the reason they use these bloody animals is that it was basically this bloody muscly representation of the heart it was a way that someone could really offer their heart in a pretty raw way without actually having to you know cut their heart out of their chest it was like this this bloody animal is symbolizing the offering of the heart and so at mass and and here's the thing i can tell you i was in in bondage in a lot of shame for several years and i don't know if it was fire within fault the book's fault or my fault <laughs> Is my my own woundedness was in there, but for for several years I was really just had a lot of shame and felt really powerless of just I'm too attached to my health, I'm too attached to this, I'm too attached to this, and I just felt so deflated and so discouraged. And just beating oneself up about your attachments does not work. Trust me, I've tried that tried it for several years. What instead is we believe in a gospel of God's grace, so I'm recognizing my imperfect heart. And I'm, I'm recognizing I have a poverty of spirit. I have repentance and I have the faith in God's power and his grace and his promises that the Lord said, uh, he will give, he'll give me a new heart. He'll replace my heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. 
And so it's more just me recognizing my brokenness and just saying, here, doctor, this is these are the ways I need a new heart. God, I am a little bit attached to knowledge. God, I do love sometimes the mission more than you. God, sometimes I do love my health inordinately. It's taking too much of my heart. So just really learning to surrender our divided hearts to him, to his to his power. And having faith and expectancy. I just like, oh, I just I just suck and yeah, yeah, that's just kinda and I'm sorry, God. It's like, no, like, man, God is good. He's powerful. He's greater than your brokenness. As our, our good friend Laura Shoulders from Kentucky would say, what the Holy Spirit reveals, he heals. So with anything, just like as we become aware of more things, as we grow in our knowledge of the spiritual life, we learn about healing, all these things. Uh, it there's a yeah, there's a danger if you don't have if you don't couple it with the expectation that God's going to do something about it. Like Mary was saying, like He will do it. Then it just becomes more and more reasons that I suck. Like it just becomes more and more, like yeah, I yeah. Not only am I really tired and am I overwhelmed in life and am I anxious and am I depressed, but also apparently at a very fundamental level, like my heart is not pure. I don't love God. I don't really love people. Um, yeah. You have to always, you have to join with that increased awareness that the conviction, like the Holy spirit is not bringing these things to to the light um, for no reason. It's so that you can be healed of them. And really all it takes is uh, admitting what your need is, admitting your poverty, admitting your, your need for God and making that a sincere prayer. It's not about, yeah, again, like coming up with some big program for how I'm going to fix myself. Right. And I think, you know, it's funny that everything goes back to identity, right? So we're talking about the idea that we, we can over attach even to our sins. And, and so if we are made new in Christ, there's also a process of that repentance and that turning and to, to renewing our mind and who we really are, that he has made us in Christ holy and blameless. And sometimes what I find I do, I overemphasize my sinfulness or overemphasize my lack. And instead, like um, giving him worship and saying, thank you, God, that you, you have made me holy. Like you have, and, I, and using our minds and transforming our minds and our hearts back to our true identity. Because if we understand that he is, you know, greater is he that lives in us than in the world, right? That Christ actually, Amen. the very Christ that raised Lazarus from the dead lives in me. The very Christ that... Um, like is, is holy, right? The angels in heaven right now are, are not crying, good job speaker or way to go God, with your miracles. He's saying, holy, holy, yeah. holy. All of creation is crying out to his holiness, right? It is, it is the, it is the cry of the, it, it should bring us to our knees. And we are a part of that mystery. We are seated in heavenly places with him. Like we have his DNA in us. I mean, everything goes back to that identity when we can disassociate that I'm actually, even my desire, this is why Paul says, it's not me who sins. And he gets all kind of crazy. And, and Romans is, is, is like about his sin. It's what he's saying is that I, I, I'm actually dead to sin, that who I am. Mm -hmm. And so part of the journey of purifying our heart is the repentance and the turning and taking action and making decisions. The will must be, must, must be our, I'm, I'm learning so much about the power of, of our yes and our no. And that holiness for me, I'm, I'm a female, so much of my life it's been about my heart, like, I love you. And then for a season, he's been like my mind. And now he's like, your will, will you choose, right? It says that we should not be hearers of the word, but doers. Will you choose to close that internet down? Will you choose to close your mouth when you want to speak? 
negativity. We choose in the moment holiness. And so conforming our lives, there is a will, but there's also a yielding and surrendering. And this process is, is a mystery as we kind of walk in grace. But I, I think if you're listening today, um, there are practical steps that you can do and asking the Lord and having him show you the way um, to let him do what he already has done in you. It's about us just conforming to that, if that makes any sense. It totally makes sense. There's a, there's a, a thing that popped into my head, a piece of scripture, and I uh, I looked it up. It, it's a little different from the other translation I heard, but it's Isaiah 47, verse 13, um, where I, Isaiah is speaking, you know, in the in the the word of the Lord, word of judgment on Babylon, and he's saying, "Hold on, you are wearied with your many counsels." And um, I've heard other people say it like, um, "You are wearied with the multiplicity of your ways." So another perspective to approach purity of heart, and this is actually resonates a lot with me and my whole life. I'm just like, my whole life is just God, like. When am I going to be a unity? You know, when am I going to be a unity in my focus, in my heart, in the way I live my life? Because it is exhausting to be, have all these attachments, to have, to invest your heart, this desire for the infinite and all these different things from one moment to the next. You are, you, it's a fractured life that you end up living that way. I think that explains so much even of our psychological problems that we have. It's like we're just responding emotionally to this, the, the total unrealism of our lives because of our attachments, you know, sinful attachments to these different things. And so purity of heart is, it's a, it's restoration. It's us coming back together. It's us being, um, yeah, be, having that single-minded, single-hearted walk through life from the, mo the moment we wake up to when we go to bed, even in our sleep, I mean, <laughs> that's going to eventually follow. It's like we are just living for the one purpose that we can possibly live for. Like there's no one else that's worthy of everything in our entire life but but God. There's no one else who deserves our every thought, our ev the focus of our all of our affection. And the thing is about God is that he is infinite and he is in everything and we can love him and we can turn our will to him in everything that we do. Yeah, I love that you mentioned the the whole idea of the multiplicity because when I think of a purity in heart, I tend to think of it as like simplicity of heart or oneness of heart. And just the opposite of a pure heart is like a complicated heart. And when Jesus, when Jesus in Bethany and at the house of Martha and Mary, everyone's familiar with that famous scene, you know, Martha, Martha, you are worried and anxious about many things. And Mary has chosen the better part. And he says, he says only one thing is necessary. So sometimes when we think of purity of heart, yeah, again, maybe tying it to sexual purity in a way, we, we tend to think of it as like, um, something is yucky in my heart or something is just bad or sinful or dirty in my heart. It's like once you set your heart on the one thing, it's just a matter of time. Like he will purify you. Like you, when you set your eyes on Jesus, like you will be purified in that relationship. Like St. Paul says, second Corinthians chapter three, verse 18, I think 
like, and we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed like from one degree of glory unto another. Like we're being transformed into the same image. Uh, so it's like once you set your gaze on Jesus, you don't have to, I mean, it's just, he will purify you and you're not, it's, um, and isn't it refreshing to know that we are not meant to have to be good at so many things. We're not like, like Joe, I like what you said about, it's like, it's a very unnatural world that we live in. It's like, yeah, the heart, human heart and the human mind, even just our psychology, we're not meant to have to juggle so many things. And we have a particular problem like today with just all our different distractions and all so many things vying for our attention. Like we're, how many algorithms are like working on us as we speak? You know, it's like uh, just trying to fight for our attention. And um, once our attention you know, and it, it's not even about like, I'm going to do it perfectly tomorrow. But just once the more we, we fix our eyes on Jesus, like he takes care of the rest. Um, but just having that simple heart. Okay. Can I jump in? Cause I am like, you know, this is, I'm getting, the excited. The I'm getting excited. All right, people. I was just <laughs> like, when you, before you even said that I was going to be quoting that same scripture. And I'm like, this is so beautiful because I feel, I felt like I'm like, Lord, do not let us end. I don't know how much time we have. Because the solution yeah. is like, it's him, it's beholding him. And um, I love that you talked about the distraction that says in Matthew six twenty two. therefore, if your eye is single, all your body yep. will be full of light. The I have that one pulled up too. Come on. <laughs> the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be healthy. And that single eye, it's really about double-mindedness. It's about the single eye of the heavenly perspective that we see through the lens of Christ and we see, we behold him. And actually, as we behold him and as we live, he actually transforms us. And I love that you ended with that one thing that the Mary of Bethany is saying. I, I, I actually believe that scripture um, is, is like in these last years, as he's calling his bride, as he's calling all of us, because we're his bride, to intimacy, to holiness, to preparation, to all the things. Um, it's, in, it's in that intimate relationship where we, behold him and then become him we eat his bread at the, at the at the mass it's it's this unity of relationship and um i love that you ended with that scripture because um so many times i make it so complicated and i make it so confusing about all these things i have to do and he's like will you just love me i mean i'm a big michael culianos fan as well and there's a, there's a line he always talks about like we're moving so fast and I feel like I have been running for years in ministry from mission to this, to talk, to traveling. And, and God's saying, would you, would you love me and sit at my feet? Would, would you love me and, and, and behold me? Would, if I took away it all, if I took away everything, would I, would that be enough? And this year, last year was so hard and what he wrestled in my heart. And there was a moment I was like, my friend has this postinia prayer kind of, it's like a little shed that you go into and it's dirty and it's, I like it because it makes it feel like it's rough and I'm in the wilderness and with the Lord. And I was just crying out to him and this, and when I was struggling with some health issues and some things in my life, I was just crying out to him. And I was, I was actually yelling to the Lord, like, like full, like, yell, like, God, yeah. you could like, whatever, like, but we've, you got to have, yeah, yeah. I was like, but you have to help me help me love you. And, 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 but like, if you take it all, like you are my yes, you know? And, and, um, and I feel like as a church, like as we get rattled, kind of bringing it full circle, as we get rattled and shook, 
it's so good because sometimes he takes away the things that are less essential to give us the most essential, which is him. He's the prize. He's the prize, guys. Like that rhymes, huh? But like in my own heart, like <laughs> I've I've run so many races to give great you know word or prophetic word, or I've run here to go to this conference, or I've wanted to give great and and I do it for the kingdom. I don't think it's it's been about me all you know, but my humanness gets in that. But but I feel like he's bringing me back to that 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 true devotion, that true devotion of his church that will just sit and love him for him, and then he'll do all the things. But just just yeah, keep our yeah. eyes back on him. Yeah, like seek you seek you first the kingdom of God and everything else will be given to you besides like we just really fundamentally fundamentally don't believe that a lot. I remember in college even applying to seminary, I really didn't a little bit, I really did not spend much time at the Newman Center. And I it, my my MO, my mode of operating was basically uh, after I get all my studying, after I'm perfectly prepared for this physics test, this chemistry test, chemistry test, after I do this, then I'll give God that, uh, my extra time. And it's just clearly putting God on the back burner instead of just making him the one thing. Not just saying like, okay, when I get everything done, then I'll, then I'll, I'll get everything done and then I'll pray instead of no matter what, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to order the rest of my life uh, around that just in general like i'm gonna make the lord the one thing i'm gonna love him above everything else and then everything else will fall into place and what's actually interesting is that we can we hear that seek ye first the kingdom of god and the rest of these things will be given to you besides we can basically think of yeah basically just yeah you just seek after the lord and you actually won't get anything else in life you're just gonna be content with him it's actually <laughs> That's not why we do it, but that's actually the means of having this greater fulfillment in these other areas of life. And even, uh, just to conclude my little thing here, even the saints who talk about detachment, like fasting and not indulging all the time, it's not just, hey, uh, basically just have things kind of suck in this life and you'll get an extra big reward in heaven. There is some sense of sacrificing for a greater reward, but John the Cross actually talks about people who have a free heart, a pure heart, and they're detached, they can actually enjoy the things of creation more. They can enjoy people more and food more and everything else more. Wow. I'm just going to, just going to say, this reminded, I was reminded of this whenever Mary mentioned like the angels worshiping God in heaven earlier. And you mentioned like, you know, doing all this sacrifice to get to the reward of heaven. It, in heaven, there will not be anything else for us to do. Like if we like, well, you know, I actually encounter the Lord, you know, and I'm not really like a big on just like sitting and praying and I don't really like silence and I don't really get into that mode. I'm more of like a doer and I'm a, uh, you know, and there <laughs> really are personality differences. There are different giftings, different right. vocations, obviously uh, people are more active. People are more contemplative, but you can never, you cannot lose sight of what we'll be doing for all eternity. Like you can't say like, well, that's not for me, when we talk about the normal Christian life, that um, has to include what we're going to be doing for all eternity, which is just praising the Lord. And we won't have, um, I'm reminded of C.S. Lewis's a great book on like people, it's kind of on the, the last things like judgment and heaven and hell. It's called The Great Divorce. And <laughs> it's some really powerful encounters where these different characters kind of like basically talk themselves out of going to heaven. 
because they're they're so they've basically completely identified themselves with something other than God. And so, you know, there's one guy who's like a theologian and he's like, well, you know, will there be, will there be, uh, you know, like a debate or like a group that I can, I want to be able to contribute to discuss ideas. What's that? Like to discuss ideas. Yeah. To discuss ideas. And the guy's like, no, there's no need for you. You don't, we don't need you to contribute anything. Like you, I want to, I'm going to take you where you can drink truth from a fountain. And he's like, well, I couldn't get on board with that i need to be able to like it just it's like so i mean if you could fill in your thing like I, most people probably don't want to do theology lectures but whatever it is it's like well i could never be happy unless i'm doing x y and z and it's like um yeah that's you are you are made for worship you're made for praise so yeah you have to not just made to be not just made to be nice and obey the rules and people say, well, yeah, like surely like, you know, God's nice and he's not going to send this person to hell. It's, does somebody actually want heaven? And even so, yeah, we do believe in, in purgatory, right? So there's a purification that can happen even after this life. But here's when, here's a sign that you're ready for heaven. Again, I can't fully explain heaven. Whatever I say is going to put a certain image in your mind and it's going to be a limited image. Because heaven is a new creation, we'll be with each other. You know, there will be ways we interact with each other, but fundamentally, the main business of heaven is praising and worshiping God. And so, here's a sign that we will be ready for heaven. Here's a sign that you will be ready for heaven when your greatest delight and the thing that you want more than anything else is to praise and worship God. When the greatest longing of your heart is that He be glorified, that's when you're ready for heaven, because that's the main business of heaven. It's, you don't have to, it's not a performance test. You don't have to be perfect. It's like, do you delight in him more than anything else? Not just what he does for you, not just thanking him for how he helps you, but just delighting him in him as he is. Before we close, like, just in case anyone is still like, just feeling maybe a little discouraged at the thought of like, man, how can I love God with my entire heart, soul, mind, and strength like this? Um, and this, another one last scripture, God's just dropping a lot of these today. Beloved, we are God's children now. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God, right? So, And then it says, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself, as he is pure. So, so we can't, we, there is no room for discouragement in this. We have to be always seeking God's hope because hope is the key to attaining that purity of heart in every moment. Like it's not about, Oh, I've attained it. Seeking out that hope, that hope, God's hope. And that is the key to being able to enter into that purity of heart more and more. Right. And as I said before, my fundamental problem for several years, I recognized this whole attachment things, these places where I had these little idols or where I clung to things of the world. I For several years, I recognized that without hope though, and it didn't do squat. It left me discouraged and feeling shameful. And so, yeah, just the importance of having hope. And fundamentally, I really did not believe that God's grace was greater than my brokenness. I was like, well, God's grace is so great, but I'm just... Like, but I'm, but I'm so attached. 
And so I just encourage you not to fall into that trap. So let Father Chris hop in here, and then I just have one final quote to share. Yeah, another encouragement I wanted to give people based on my own experience is if you're feeling like I really don't have this desire to praise, I don't have this desire to worship, I don't have purity of heart, I fell into the trap of thinking I had to detach from all the other things. I had to get like all my life in order before I could like actually pray or actually worship God, actually praise him. You, I want to emphasize just like if you have any desire for it, if you have any openness to it, like make time for prayer, make time for praise, especially time of simple praising God for his goodness, for thanking him. And you will be purified through that. Like, uh, it's kind of like, um, should you just try to diminish all your desires and to the point where like, okay, now I can, I have room for desire for God. It's like, no, actually pursue what desire for God you already have and that will grow. And like uh, an experience that I had in, in college whenever I was getting really into my faith and trying to draw closer to God was like the more I went to adoration, the more I went to mass and actually started to learn about God and like learn how to pray. I was one completely addicted to video games at the time. And I just like very quickly, like that desire just like evaporated. Is just like, I could be like, and and it was maybe more of an intellectual thing for me at the time, but I was still like, this is so empty. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm not trying to condemn that. It's just like, for me, I just had, it's like so uninteresting all of a sudden. Like, it, it wasn't because I was super disciplined. I'm not very disciplined about things like that. It's because I just, the desire for God just left no room for that. Yeah, man, I'm just so excited. I do want to share these two final quotes and then I'll let uh, Mary, I'll have Mary lead us in a prayer to close. So this is a, this is one of the quotes that really hit me the mo- most deeply over the past couple of months. Cause I, I, I just really take this, the spirit, the spiritual life seriously. And this is from a priest that father Jacques Philippe quotes and his name is father Luis uh, Lalamont. He says, the two elements of the spiritual life are the purification of the heart and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. These are the two poles of the whole spiritual life. Put everything into perspective here. The main points of this of spiritual life consist in so disposing ourselves to grace through purity of heart. So this is the part I really want you to focus on. Of two people who consecrate themselves at the same time to God's service. So imagine this. If one gives himself wholly to good works and the other applies himself entirely to purify his heart and cutting away what there is in it that opposes grace. The second person will achieve perfection twice as quickly as the first. So just to put that in simple terms, if you can focus on, I'm not saying don't do deeds of charity, but if you're thinking like, well, the main thing I need to do is I need to, you know, serve at a soup kitchen and, you know, go find homeless people in the streets. I'm not saying you can't do that, but the most fruitful thing in the long term will actually be focusing on that purity of heart. And then I want to share this St. Teresa Avila quote, which is basically saying what my brother, Father Christopher was saying, that you encounter more of God, you it will purify your heart. So we just we want to surrender that to him. And yeah, just let me just read this quote from St. Teresa Avila. 
She said, direct contact with you, my beloved, left me with contempt for everything earthly. The things of this world felt like nothing but dung <laughs> to me after that. I have seen how easy it is for those of us who dwell here to get caught up in empty concerns. A soul who has been given mastery of her own desires has a huge advantage, but she does not bequeath this dominion to herself. Basically, it's not about just self-willed effort. It is a gift from God. Someone who does not have this kind of detachment cannot understand what it is, it is like. It is not a matter of willful self-control. It comes naturally without any labor on our part. God does it all. And he does it by revealing his truth in such a way that they are imprinted on our souls. It is obvious to us that this detachment is a divine gift because we never could have acquired it so easily and quickly on our own. I used to be terrified of death, not anymore, since... The visions, dying feels like the easiest thing in the world. So there's a, obviously a lot there, but fundamentally it's just encountering more of, as, as Mary was saying, it's just about Jesus. Just seeking after him. As you, you fall in love, these other things will fall into place. And if you actually encounter him, fall in love with him, the, just to not cling to, to not cling to the things of the world will be become easy, as St. Teresa Avila says. So... Man, we, we, I feel like we keep talking forever, but Mary, if you just have any final thoughts and then you can just close this in a prayer. If you're listening right now, don't, if you're driving, don't close your eyes, but if you're sitting, close your eyes for a second and even just get attuned to your heart. Father, we praise you and we thank you that you are a God that makes us new. Father, I ask for grace as we end this podcast that our hearts can be realigned to that one thing that one eye to behold you, to love you with all of our minds, heart, and soul. Father, we come before you and all the things in our heart that we've laid and elevated above you. God, we just come in repentance today. You say in 1 John 1, 9, that anyone who confesses their sins, you are just and righteous to wash us of all of our sins um, and, and give us righteousness, God. So we just come before you asking that you would wash us in your blood right now. I ask that you give us a pure heart to seek you tongues to worship you, hands to lift you up, God, that we would be um, blameless and spotless brides in love of you. I ask for this grace, Jesus, in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Amen.